Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. in a study on two texts and I'm going to be jumping between the two but mainly it's going to be Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 let's read Um, I'm going to read from verse 4 just to give it some context rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice let your reasonableness be known to everyone the Lord is at hand do not be anxious about anything but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today as your children. Um, And Lord, I might think I have plans. I might think I have aspirations and dreams. But ultimately, your plans are perfect. So Lord, this morning, as we open up your word, I pray that you would settle our hearts in you that we would find our place in you, that we would find our belonging in you, and that we would know that in you we are are secure, we're strength, we're strong. Lord, speak to hearts that need your touch. Lift burdens off those who are weighed down and save the lost. Lord, move in this place by your spirit, I pray. And just touch our hearts, speak to us, encourage us for this week and the time ahead. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Let me read that again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, for the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What are you anxious about? There's a lot to be anxious about. Especially if you're one that's saturated with the news and with the newspapers and with politics at work, politics in the country, politics abroad, oil spills, responsibilities, pressures, things that come every day. And these are normal things. I'm not saying that these aren't to be tiresome and stressful. As we grow up, more responsibilities are piled on us, more expectations. What are the expectations that are given to us at work, with families? If you're a parent, if you're a child, if you're a leader of some sort, uh, maybe you're a teacher and you've got all those kids looking to you for their education. There's pressures everywhere you go. For me, it's, I was trying to think of things that might stress us out. Things that we think about, things that we don't think about. Do you know the earth spins at 1,076 kilometers an hour? And as it spins at that speed, it goes through space around the sun at 108,000 kilometers an hour. My hair's thinning. Am I going to get married? I know tomorrow at work, I've got a queue of 50 tourists waiting None of them speak English. None of them know where they want to go. 
and they all want tickets to somewhere. That's my job. That's what I do. Sell tickets. I know there's the situation of my dad. My dad's pretty sick. He's at home and he needs help. He's, he's not very well. These are all things that pile on and stress on and things that, you know, I miss my bus. The train's late. Why did they cancel the 7, what was it, Sammy? The 737 train on Friday morning. And then I go to Tesco's and I've got so many cereals to choose from. I, don't, I can't pick, I can't choose. It's like, Lord, what's going on? Is this realistic? This statement. Be anxious for nothing. It's not, well, don't be anxious about everything. Be anxious for a few things or, hmm, the important things. Okay, maybe you can be anxious about those. The trivial? No, maybe not. Is it realistic for the Lord to say through the Apostle Paul, be anxious for nothing? Let's be honest. From my perspective, from where I'm looking, from where I'm standing, it doesn't sound reasonable. It doesn't sound realistic. It doesn't sound like something that I can accomplish, something that I can do. Something I want you to keep in mind as we go through this. Three statements that really hit me is, God sees. Maybe you want to write these down, I don't know. God sees. God knows. And God cares. These are just pictures to maybe accentuate how we feel at times. Is it possible to be anxious for nothing? I just want to read you a quote from a book called Knowing God by a a reformed pastor called J.I. Packer. He says this, I do not ask my readers to suppose that I know very well what I'm talking about. Those, like myself, wrote C.S. Lewis, whose imagination far exceeds their obedience, are subject to a just penalty. We easily imagine conditions far higher than any we have actually reached. If we describe what we imagined, we make others and make ourselves believe that we've really been there. And so fool both them and ourselves. All readers and writers of devotional literature do well to weigh Lewis's words. Yet, since we have the same spirit of faith as he who wrote, I believed, so I spoke... We too believe and so we speak. And if what is written here helps anybody in way but the meditations behind the writing has helped me, the work will have been abundantly worthwhile. Please understand, I don't stand here like I'm stress-free. As anybody who's close to me would know, I stress about a lot of things and I worry a lot. Patrick's always telling me about the concerns. Tim, just put it in a box, man. Just leave it. It's cool. Don't worry about it. But I read it in Scripture... And I see the truth, I believe it, and so I speak. And so just to encourage you, we're all in the same boat here. I'm not standing here as somebody who's, who's done it. I do believe, though, that for a non-believer, this statement is impossible. Unless you have some powerful drugs or you live a life of escapism. That's what the world's offering, right? Forget your worries. Go to Ibiza. Take some hallucinogenic drugs. Get tanked. Watch six seasons of Lost and get lost. (laughs) Sorry, I'm a victim. But us as believers, I really believe we're in a different footing. I believe that we're in a different place, and we'll look at that in a minute. 
in Thessalonians it says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the glory may be of God and not of us. This isn't a rebuke. This isn't a, hmm, you should stop worrying so much. This is a, ha, I'm broken and busted and I want to know how I can trust in the Lord more. This is a case of, hmm, I know where I've been and what I've experienced and it's not right. How do we then move forward as the word says, be anxious for nothing? There's two questions that we're going to look at. Two questions. One is how. How do we stress less? How do I be anxious for nothing? But I think before we can answer that question, it's why. Why should I not stress? Why should I be anxious for nothing? You tell it fine. Okay, be anxious for nothing. I, I get it. But why? Are you telling me that my problems aren't real enough? You've never been where I've been. You've never experienced what I've experienced. Lost life. Um, suffered illness been in some kind of catastrophe, some tsunami or earthquake. You know what? You're right. I haven't. But as I said, we believe, therefore we speak. And these aren't my words. Obviously, I'm presenting this. But hopefully, it's the basis of Scripture. Hopefully, the basis of this is the truth of God. Why should I be anxious for nothing? Is everything okay? And I tell you what, walk five minutes down Lewisham, and you'll know everything's not okay. Sorry, Lewisham. So why? So with this, I want to turn to Luke chapter 12. And this is a good chunk of scripture, so we'll just read through it and pick out a few points. I'm reading from the ESV, so if, it's, um, if it um, doesn't match up completely, the, the gist is the same. And he said to his disciples... Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are they than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do as a smaller thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive today, in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in, heaven, in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He begins with basic needs. Are you serious? Are you telling me I'm not supposed to worry about what I'm supposed to eat for lunch or what clothes I'm supposed to put on? Are you telling me that I'm not to be worried about my health or even concerned? And I think Jesus does this a lot. He gets a point and he, and he explodes the point to such a degree that it's, it, it, it's a bit more obvious than it needs to be. But he's talking about the fact that there are cares that we have. There are cares that we're concerned about. We are concerned. Listen, I need to eat. 
And if I'm not concerned about what I eat, what I wear, and my health, there's probably something unstable. Because the person who walks around doesn't seem to have a care for his attire or doesn't really care about his health is, is actually not taking care of the temple that the Lord's given him. So is that what he's saying? We care about our needs. And trust me, they are needs. There are things that we need. Things that we go through, the daily, daily thing, you know, your five fruit a day, whatever, your 1.5 liters of water. There are needs that we have, clothing on our backs, a roof over our heads. Lord, these things we need. Are you telling me that I'm not to be concerned about them? Like I said, he's making a point. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. And I think this is the point. The point is that we care about ourselves. We care about ourselves. We care about the things that are needful for us. But God cares more. Excuse the picture. But it's a case of these birds don't think about the next five-year plan. And Spurgeon said it this way, the bird in a, we might think we're taking care of a bird, we'll put it in a cage, we'll give it a little pot of seed, we'll give it some water. And we think, oh yeah, you know, I'm taking good care of this bird. Trust me, it's better left outside because God takes care of it more than, more than I can. And that's a small picture of God's care for us, a very small, very, very small picture of how much more value are you than these birds? Of how much more value? And something I need to remember is that God cares. They don't gather into barns. They don't store up. Just to give you an example of what that might mean for me. Um, my mum's not from an urban area. She's from outside Brighton. After she married my dad and had me and my sister... Um, I was about four. We moved to a, a council estate in southwest London, which is where I grew up. And it was a shock for my mum because she'd never even walked on a council estate, let alone lived on one. They worked with a youth project with the church. And I was out there, didn't know what was going on. Car burnt down the road, drug dealer upstairs, prostitute downstairs. And my mum was freaking out. My son's out there, four, five, six, seven, eight years old, however long it took her to come to this realization. I remember sharing it with me a few times. And she was like, Lord, I can't do this. And the Lord said to her, do you think that you care about your son? And it was like, oh, well, of course. And the Lord said to her, I care about him more than you do. Trust me with him. Surrender your son to me, I'll take care of him. Now, I've got some scars, some bumps, and some bruises, some mistakes, but I'm here. And as my mom was faithful just to say, hey, Lord, you know what? You just told me that you care about my son more than I do. I'm going to say, okay, cool. And she surrendered me to I know I did a lot of stupid things out on that estate, trust me. But God's faithful. God is so faithful. God's making a point here. Of how much more value are you? Of how much more value? Look at it from Father's perspective. And I think this is my problem, is I look at it from down here. I look at it from Tim. From my eyes, from my perspective, and I see it this way. I don't see it from above. I don't see it in the respect of, 
a week, two weeks, five years, ten years down, down the line. I don't look at it in regards of yesterday. I just look at it about the here and now. And maybe I make some plans, but it's still from this perspective. And let me just say, as a side note, this is why the word of God is so important. Because if I'm going about every single day of my life from Tim's point of view, I'm going to get some seriously messed up perspectives on how life is about. I will happily say, I'm stressed about everything, and rightly so. Just want to read, don't turn there, but read real quickly Psalm 1. And just think of the tree as he speaks of it. And it just sounds secure. It just sounds solid. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now because of that, he is a tree planted by the streams of water that yields forth its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. And I tell you what, as a Christian, if I'm not in his word, I will become like that chaff because I'm blown left, right, up, down. I don't know which is straight. And I'm not talking about things I've observed. I'm talking about things I've experienced in regards to me not doing what I'm supposed to do in regards of abiding in God's word. But I know without a doubt that when I pick up his word... When I, when I read the scriptures and I seek out the heart of God and I'm like, Lord, what's going on? He says, this is the way, walk in it. This is what's up. This is my love for you. We get to know the heart of God. Who remembers when Duncan came here and shared on the Father heart of God? If you haven't, go on calvarychapelsouthlondon.org and get the podcast for those three messages called The Father Heart of God by Duncan Forbes to give you an understanding and an insight onto how God feels about you. His love, his care. I'm not talking about some dodgy father who wasn't there. I'm talking about a father as he should be with the right amount of love, with the right amount of care. Check out those messages. Let's get God's perspective on things. Instead of running through life with, with, with my understanding, because it's feeble, trust me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You know, it said that 99% of the things that we worry about don't happen the way that we think they're going to happen. Often they might come to pass, but generally never in the way that we imagined it. And for a Christian, I'd say 100% of the things that we worry about we ought not to, to worry about. That's why he's able to say, be anxious for nothing. You've heard the joke. Nothing in the Greek means nothing. <laughs> Sorry, had <I had> jokes. <laughs> so, what's my, what good is my stress producing? He says here, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? If you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? I'll tell you what stress will bring you. Anxiety will bring you. Hives, respiratory problems, sleepless nights. Make me snappy at work. Trust me, you don't want to be there when I'm stressed. Relationship issues. I don't want to be around you when you're stressed because you stress me out. 
Chronic stress, chronic anxiety can actually put you in hospital. So far from it actually not doing good, it, it does the opposite. It does a lot of bad. We can't make ourselves prettier. Can't make my life longer. Can't make my job any better by stressing. Excuse this picture. Fashion. If this was on Facebook, I'd write KMT. <laughs> Don't see them. It's a joke. Kiss my teeth. <laughs> Because the amount of money, the amount of stress, the amount of fear, the amount of worry that goes into... I'm not even talking about the industry. I'm talking about us who suffer under that industry of thinking we have to match a certain standard. What am I going to wear? So-and-so at that, that BAFTA festival wore six dresses in one hour. I don't even have one. I don't have any dresses, sorry, from a girl's perspective. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because I ironed this shirt last night all nice and I think the Lord's trying to keep me humble because I'm sweating. And I think the point is, here's what God can do without any stress. This is what the Lord does. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. The word toil there is actually weave. I've never seen a flower on a, on a, on with, with, a, with a, a knitting machine or a, or, or, a, or a loom making garments. I just see the lily just chilling as God intended it to. And there's plenty. In fact, lilies are so beautiful I can go and cut some down, buy them or buy them from a, from a vendor, give them to somebody and it will bring them so much happiness. And then more will grow up in the place of where I cut them from. Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. They say that Solomon was the richest man that ever lived. In fact, the Queen of Sheba, which was, uh, I think, in North Africa, went to see him just to say, I just come to see you because I've heard about you and your splendor. I didn't write down too much information because I didn't want to go too long, but just if you get a chance to look in Kings, First Kings, I believe it is, towards the end, before he goes dodge, you look at Sam. Solomon and, and his temple and his, his garments and his horses and his gold and his, even his servants, you know, the singers in the temple. How many, serv- how many singers in the temple, Ephraim? Hundreds, thousands of singers. This is just singers. And he says, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Hmm. How much effort and sweat did it take to look this good? God's handiwork. This is God's handiwork. This is what God does. This is God's care and attention to detail. And in fact, prepare for another bad joke. These lilies actually have purpose as well. The leaves draw in the sunlight, draw the water up from the ground, and with a process called photosynthesis, actually create the energy that it needs. Now, you know what? Forget the joke. It's all right. It's not worth it. (laughs) I was going to say, an Armani suit never made me a lasagna. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So let's remember, God sees, God knows, and God cares. I'll say that again. God sees. He sees where you're at. He sees the problems you're going through. He sees your needs. 
God knows. He knows the thoughts that you think that no one ever thinks. He knows the time when you're alone and it's just too much to handle. But most of all, because he could see and know and not do jack about it. He could just leave you alone and say, hey, it's cool. Brought it on himself. But most of all, God cares. And I can say this blanket, whatever situation you're in, God cares. Whatever circumstance, whether you brought it on yourself or whether it's something that you just, it's just life. The almighty God of the entire universe thinks about you. The creator of the heavens and the earth. The one who sits on the throne with the angels day and night surrounding him crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come thinks about you and me. The word says that he thinks about me more than the sands on the seashore. says that he's numbered the hairs on my head and he knows them. For all the nations of the world seek after these things and your father knows you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom. And these things will be added unto you. This isn't a prophet talking. This isn't an apostle. This isn't a holy man. This is God himself come down in the flesh to tell you, don't be afraid. I love you. This is the transcendent God, the far above and beyond God. The God that I, I hope to see when I, when I go to be with him. I know I'll see when I go to be with him. Why? Because he says here, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's not just a suggestion. Oh, by the way, Tim, here's an encouragement for you. Did you know that God loved... No, this is God himself telling me in his word, telling you very plainly how he feels. Fear not, little flock. And the way that this sentence chokes me up when I think about it and the way that the Lord thinks about me, the tenderness that he cares about us as his little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's give him our trust. I think he's deserving of it. I think he's worthy of it. Let's place our hope in him. Let's invest in his perfect plans. Because I'm stressing about my plans. But he says, I'll take care of that. Worry about what I worry about. Worry about my plans for you. Draw near to me. And I'll draw near to you. Focus on the kingdom. Focus on that which is actually going to do some good. That which is actually going to help. That's another study entirely. But On a side note. And this is kind of close to my heart, just as think issues that I've dealt with and where friends are at at the moment. When I take my eyes off the Lord, I drift. And there's warnings in Timothy and there's warnings in Hebrews about drifting. We've spoken about his word and how important it is, but I know that when I take my eyes off his word and when I just get caught up in the daily dramas, start watching the news like it's needful, start focusing on my issues where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This can be something as trivial as video games. This can be something as meaningful as adoring your spouse or your children too much. 
This can be as deep as life itself. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And I often, I would say more than not, I often don't make God my treasure. And I know that my heart isn't where he is. And I think this goes deeper because often the stresses that I experience are because of my sin. Unnecessary heartache. Now there's heartache and it comes. A plenty it comes. It's there. You don't even need to look. But then I go and make it worse by adding to it. I go ahead and do stupidness that brings on more heartache. Bad decisions. I'd like to go into detail, but I don't know. Maybe the Spirit will convict you as he's convicted me. Maybe it will bring to mind circumstances about where you have clearly heard the voice of God, where you've clearly heard him say, stand here. It's best if you don't go over there. It's best if you don't spend time with that person. And you went and did it anyway. And then a day, a week, a month later, you see the the consequences of your actions. Because truly sin's pleasurable for a season and then it comes and bites you hard. And I know a friend who is now going to suffer a long time because of mistakes he's made. And my heart goes out to him because the stress he's experiencing, the sweat that he is perspiring, the heartache that he is feeling, the relationships that have been broken because of one mistake. Sorry, I know that's heavy, but it's real, man. This is what David was writing in Psalm 38. And it's possible that he might be writing about some kind of venereal disease because of some sin he's committed in that regard. It's been said. I don't know if that's true. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me. This is Psalm 38, verse 1 to 11. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows pierce me deeply, and your hand presses down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I'm troubled. I'm bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are full of inflammation and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before you and my sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pants and my strength fails me. As for the light of my eyes, it is gone from me. My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague and my relatives stand afar off. I don't think that needs any elaboration. It's pretty graphic. But here's the beauty of the God I serve. Here is the loveliness of my Father in heaven. Even in that situation, he cares. Even in a situation where I deserve a slap, the Lord is just there for me and he's forgiven me and he's taken me and he's tenderly loved me. And he said, Tim, turn back to me, man. You're not doing yourself any good. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is grace. This is my king.
don't need to turn there, but First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due, due time. Casting all your cares upon him, because he cares for you. We are his concern. We are his love. Here's my problem, though. I hear it. I hear it, I listen to it, I read it all day long. But I've got to do this. We could hear a hundred messages of of, of what I've just shared. But unless I apply it, unless I do it, I'm a good listener, I've been told. I'm an awful doer. (laughs) I think Jahaziel said in his album what his mum once said. If you don't hear, you must feel. Trust me. And unfortunately, it doesn't have to be that way, but I've made it like that. Often it's like, why do you have to go down that road again? Something really hit me this week when I was thinking about this, and it's, we've heard it before, but it's obedience is better than sacrifice. I'll just let that sit with you for a bit. What if I just walk away? What if, okay, I hear it, I hear it all. God cares for me, God loves me, God takes care of me, like the flowers, like the birds, it's all good. And then you just go on and carry on like, yeah, I know it now, that's excellent. If you have a wound and it needs ointment, you must apply the ointment. If I have some kind of ailment and I've got the remedy, I have to apply the remedy. It's no good saying this, this stuff works. This is great. And then you just leave it on the shelf. Guys, this stuff works. From testimonies of people I know who have peace. And yet, unless I apply it, unless I take that ointment, take off the seal, open the cap, and apply it daily, it doesn't do any good. We've done the why. Why should I not fret? Why should I not worry? How? How do I go from David's sorry state? How do I go from this place of just, ah, Lord, to a place of like Paul and Silas who got beaten and thrown in jail and they're singing praises to God? Clearly not anxious. Just singing out. How do I go from a place of that to a place where Moses is, you've got the sea on one side, you've got the mountain on the other, and you've got the entire army of the, the largest, most powerful nation on earth coming full force at you with chariots and horses. And he says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. How do we do this? To where both bold words are spoken and joyful songs are sung in the place of adversity. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we did not carry everything to God in prayer. I don't know the rest. Everything is the proper subject of prayer. Nothing is too trivial. Nothing is too big. If you're running for the bus and you need to get to work on time, pray about it. 
If there's things that are stressing you out and they're trivial, pray about it. The Lord cares about the smallest things, what you'll eat, what you'll wear, how you will live. He cares about the birds. He cares about the lilies. Okay, God, if you care so much, how do I know that you'll do what you say? How do I know that God is going to keep his word? You said, come unto me, all you who are laden and, and, and weary and heavy and burdened down, and I will give you rest. Cool. Okay, you're saying that. Let's take him at his word. Let's take him at his word. Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. Very clearly. You do not have because you do not ask. Imagine you've got a carpenter. He makes rocking chairs. The carpenter's talking great talk about his chairs. Look, even for heavy blokes like yourself, you know, 300 pounds, they'll take, you know, they'll hold your weight and they'll be comfortable. I've made them with great expertise, you know, they'll rock you right off to sleep, they're just, oh, they're great. I'm like, okay, well, you're a big fella, why don't you sit in it and show me? If he's like, oh, just buy the chair and try it when you get home. God isn't like that. God says, I'm trustworthy, try me. Test me. Test that chair. Sit in it before you buy it. Try it out. Take that which you know to be true and act on it. Because he's not just some dodgy salesman trying to sell your pitch. He's a loving father who's trying to bring you life and that more abundant. So let's take him at his word. Look, hey, Lord, you said pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask. Prayer works. Anybody who comes to prayer prayer meeting on Tuesday nights knows that prayer works. God answers prayer. And I'm not talking about, Lord, I need a Maserati and a new Mac laptop. Just because. I'm talking about life issues. I'm talking about things that are serious concerns. Because trust me, I prayed for a new guitar many times. But it wasn't God's concern. What is God concerned about? He provides all my needs. Now don't get me wrong, he loves to give us good things. I'm not going to go on that tangent. Prayer and supplication. Praying is relating to God. Communication with the Father. It's what we do. We do it with people. Hey, how's your week? It's good to spend time with you. Love you, man. Good to see you. You sit down, you talk over a coffee. This is what we do with the Lord. We just talk to him. He hears. He's there for us. He understands. He knows. Supplication is the asking. Requesting. Lord, I have this issue. I need it taken care of. Lord, I'm, I screwed up here. I need your forgiveness. Lord, I'm worried about this person. Can you please help? Lord, I've got no food in the fridge because I spent my last five out. Lord, I, please provide. Living on my own with the two guys, Sammy and, and Verbs. I'm, I'm not very good with my money, and so I pray that one a lot. <laughs> Try not to nick their food out of their cupboards. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Um, for the last two years, I lived with my parents because my, my dad needed a, a place that had wheelchair access. But the rent was silly high. But we really felt like the Lord was saying, go and move in there and I'll take care of you. Sounds really weird. 
but it meant that me and my sister kind of had to help them out a bit. So we moved in. My mum was waiting on disability housing benefit for about two months. They weren't coming through with the rent from, from the housing for you know, my dad's disability allowance. And the landlord came knocking very nicely and said, hey, listen, I know you're in a tight spot, but we need that money. Our mortgage is on the line. We've got bills to pay as well. And I think it was about three months or something like that. And my mum went out with a friend and I got in the shower and was getting ready to work and I freaked out. Lord, £2,500, where are we going to get this from? We don't have money. We don't have anything. I'll tell you what, I was in that shower, pounding the wall in stress. The stress was tangible. So anyway, I prayed and I said, Lord, I'm crying out to you. Quoted a few scriptures about fear, you know, whom shall I be afraid Lord is for me, who shall be against me? And my mum came back and we prayed about it. And she said, well, I have my devotional this morning before I knew that the, the money was needed. And I felt the Lord clearly speak to me about, I think it was Jeho- Jehoiakim, or one of those, the, the commanders of Israel's army. And they had a, a battle coming to them. And they said, Lord, what are we going to do? How are we going to deal with this? And the Lord said to them, go out to battle and I will fight for you. So it's like, okay. I had the most overwhelming sense of contentment. It was bizarre. Okay, that's what we're going to do. We had money for the next month's food and rent, not rent, but bills and other things. This is me, my mom, and my sister. We managed to scrape together enough. Said, okay, Lord, we've got nothing for the rest of 30 days. Nothing left. We're going to write out the check, put the cash in the right account, whatever needs to be done. And we're going to say, okay, Lord, we're going to go to battle and you need to fight this for us because we don't have a a clue. So we did it. A week to where my bills were due and it's coming up close and I'm sweating. We've done that. Lord, we've done our responsibility. Why aren't you providing? I don't understand. And trust me, I was sweating. Our old landlord, who was quite a shady character from where me and Debbie used to live, my sister, we weren't expecting to see a penny of our deposit ever. (laughs) The place was left nice, but he wasn't coming saying, oh, I've got your deposit, by the way. We asked him, we emailed. That Friday, get a phone call. Oh, is that Mr. McBrien? Yeah. I've got your deposit here. Where do you want it? I'll put it in your account today. I think £1,500 or something like that. God put us in what I call the crucible. (laughs) It's a pot that you put silver in and you heat up that porcelain and it melts and then you pour it out and you mold it and shape it as you see fit. We were in that crucible and God said, trust me and wait and ask. And we prayed and we asked and we waited and we sweated and the Lord was faithful. And now, because of it, I can tell you guys and I can encourage you. You know what I mean? I'm not worse off. I'm better off because of that situation. With thanksgiving. It says with all things, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. I think the thanks part is essential. It's so important. Because it changes our perspective. It takes it from looking down here and going, Okay, God, I'm in this situation. I'm in this hole. And all I see is the walls around me closing in. Maybe a chink of light at the top. But you're thinking about what God's already done. 
what he's promised that he's going to do, and you're thanking him for the situation you're in. For future things, for past blessings and provisions, and for present mercies and graces. And you know what, most of all? Thankful for salvation. Because let's say it goes bad, like it goes downhill real quick. I'm talking people ready to take your life bad. My salvation is secure. Because Christians, we suffer. Bad things do come knocking. It's not just trivialities I'm talking about. Thankful, Lord, thank you that I'm saved. Thank you that all this is said and done. I get to stand before you in peace and harmony. I get to know you for eternity. Lord, thank you that you've already taken care of this situation because you're good. I'm not one to say, oh yeah, speak it in faith, brother. But let's speak this one out in faith, man, because God cares. Let's stand on his promises. Okay, the result of all this, knowing how God feels, knowing how he cares and his plan for us, crying out to him in prayer and supplication, giving thanks and praise, seeing it as he does it, and seeing it all as he sees it from his perspective, what will this result in? Three things. First of all, peace with God. Peace with God. We know we have peace with God. I know I can stand before the Lord regardless of my sin, and I can say, Lord, I'm clean because of you. I I know I can call him Abba, Father. I know I can call him brother a peace from God peace that comes from him it's poured out he gives us the situ- we see it from a, a, a perspective that's just better but there's also the peace of God which I think is this supernatural spirit given peace that doesn't make sense doesn't make sense I'm just going to read through Acts, but I don't think we have time. I'll just, I'll just summarize it again. We already looked at it. They were preaching the gospel, and they got arrested, and they got beaten and whipped. And after being beaten and whipped, they were thrown in prison. Now I've already mentioned it. And we're told that they were singing praises and hymns out to the Lord in that cell, to the point where once they were singing, the earth shook and the door was shaken off the jail. But they stayed there. They could have run. Ha, ah, God's got us out of this one. Let's run. No, they just jammed. They were there. They, they didn't move. To the point where the jailer then ends up crying out, what must I do to be saved? What could, I want what you've got. It doesn't make any sense. The four men in the furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went into the fire. God didn't take them from the fire, didn't keep it from them. They went into the fire and God was with them in the fire. It passes all understanding. Let me read that again. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. It doesn't make sense. By all rights, I should be freaking out. Realistically, come on now, let's be honest. You're in prison and you don't deserve it. You should be sweating and you're singing. I want what they have. So, in closing, Christians, we're in a secure position. 
We might sweat one day. We might stress out another. But ultimately, we are secure. God's taking care of us. God's got our interests at heart. We can cry out to him knowing full well that he cares. Those of you here that don't know the Lord, maybe you've come to church, I don't know why. Those of you who don't have that security, this isn't an emotional blackmail thing, but this is reality. There is no security, especially if you listen to evolutionists that tell you that everything's by chance, everything's just basically a dice roll, you get what you're given, oh well, too bad. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know that there's a Father in heaven that loves you and cares for you, you have a lot to worry about. And I'm not even talking about judgment day. I'm not even talking about the consequences eternally for your sin. I'm not even talking about the fact that the Lord is your enemy because of the sin that you've committed against him. I'm talking about just for life. My mom should have been petrified with me on that estate because there was a lot of bad things going on. Bad. I'm not even going to go into detail because it's horrific. You're walking down the street, your life is in whose hands? The driver next to you? No, thank you. The taxman? The government? We all know, like, I don't mean to get political, I'm not really that political, but we can't trust them. They can't even deal with their own expenses, their travel expenses, right? <laughs> Let alone our country. So if you're stressed and you're not, you don't know Jesus, you don't know Christ, if you're feeling the weight of life, listen to this. Just listen for a moment. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Just in closing, I know I've said that already, <laughs> but in closing, you need to know what that means. You have a lead ox, an ox that's been plowing the field for many years, and you have a young ox. The farmer will take a piece of wood and fashion it in the shape of one for the side for the lead ox and one side for the young ox. So that the lead ox can actually train and take most of the burden and the pull for the young ox so that it can be trained up to one day become a lead ox. One is following the other, and actually one is doing most of the work. Now Jesus is saying to, to us, first of all, non-believers, those who don't have anyone to share that burden with, he's saying, come unto me, take my yoke upon you, for it's easy and it's light, and I will walk with you. I will take your burdens, and I will share the weight of life with you. And now this, again, this isn't just a suggestion, I've done it. I gave my burden to Christ because he said, I forgive you. I love you. Come and repent. Turn from your sin. Give me your burdens. And now I walk with him. 
and he's never left me. For Christians, it stands the same. If you've left that yoke and you're saying, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to do my own thing for a bit. That's a burden we do not have to bear. Ah, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you that you care. I thank you that you see. I thank you that you know. Thank you that you understand. Lord Jesus, you've done something about that which concerns us. Lord, I ask that you would help us to apply your truth, your word, your love, your care to our hearts, to our lives. Help me to run to you. You're my life source. You're my daily bread. You're my light. Lord, if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, Father, I pray that they would humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. They would turn from their wickedness and they would cast their burdens upon you because you care for them. And Lord, I thank you for your love. Thank you for today. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name.